Well, Merry Christmas and welcome. Glad that you're here. Whenever something really big takes place uh, in culture, like a really big significant event that's gonna have an effect for generations, there are all kinds of different dimensions to whatever happens. I was thinking about this recently um, with respect to one of the more modern phenomena, the Beatles, I'm just saying. Like, it's interesting to me to go look now and see how many dimensions there are to the Beatles. Because now, if you go look at how many dissertations have been written about the Beatles, or now even the University of Liverpool has a master's in the Beatles. One of our prisoners got that master's. All kinds of things. But think about that for a second. And then think about the most significant event in all of history taking place and how many dimensions there must be of that. Well, this afternoon, what I'd like to do during our time together on this uh, meditation is just hold up a number of dimensions, a number of different ways of looking at the dimensions of love and hope around Christmas. And my prayer in that is that we'll, it will encourage and enforce and, and um, affirm our celebration of this festival that we're taking, that's taking place today. Now I'm convinced that if we were to just go randomly get a hundred different people out of Dallas and put them in a room and ask them the question, what is the best thing about Christmas? What's the greatest thing about Christmas? There'd be all kinds of answers for sure. I, I know below a certain age, I would have been included. We would, we would have said, it's all about the gifts. And then others would say, no, it's about family or it's about joy or it's about the cheer, or it's about the merriment. And eventually somebody would say it's about Jesus coming. But I think overall, the thing that comes to mind most, like, the quickest thing that comes to mind is the warmth and the love and the joy of Christmas. And, you know, so many great memories that so many people have of the joy of various aspects of Christmas. And I think one of the questions we might ask early on is what's the root of all that? And I think the root of all that is love, that Christmas is ultimately founded and based and grounded in love. And that love bubbles up in all kinds of ways throughout the season. It finds its way into the merriment and to all these different things. And of course, retailers wanna grab onto some of that. I like the quote that somebody had said that they, that blessed be this season because it's when the world has a whole conspiracy around love. And I think whatever it is, that whole business of time off, family, love, the merriment, it makes for this like incredibly warm thing in our hearts. And after all the racing around is done, we can stop and focus on peace and on love and all these things. And we can think about how Christmas is different than other things because we think about the lights being strung up and the smell of gingerbread and all the different things that, that make Christmas come alive. It changes the environment. And again, why, how? I think it all comes back to love. And yet it's a very trite passage. We've heard it so much, I think we tune it out. But it is a Christmas passage. When we go back to John and we get into the early chapters of John coming out of the prologue, where it says, God so loved, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's because he so loved the world and the Christian journey is more and more and deeper and deeper into that love. 
And we're celebrating its beginning in a way. I mean, it's always there. But it's manifestation in a way that we see on this day. So it's no surprise to me that Christmas is about love and peace as part of the backdrop of it all that makes it so wonderful. And I think we're more than ready to receive it because at the end of the day, we're wired for deep love. We're made in God's image. We're gonna respond that way to that deep love. And there's so many incredible stories of love that we could hear and share and think about during the Christmas season. I recently was reading a a collection of a number of stories and one of them that stuck in my mind that I thought I would repeat came from this woman named Jennifer Barney. And she tells this story about when she was young, about when she was in middle school. She's reflecting back on it now as an adult. But she said she was at a place where she was trying to step up and to be mama's big girl. And she was trying to get beyond all the gifts and how that had been what she was about. But she'd always been into the gifts, but now she was trying to be in this different role. And it was one of these things where she would, even though she was saying that, she would still go into the room where the tree was and she would go down to every single gift and shake it, look at its size, figure out all this stuff. She knew on Christmas day, she could distribute all the gifts and not even hardly look at the labels. But meanwhile, it was a very difficult year. The family had had a bad year financially and her mom kept telling her, this year Christmas is gonna be a little smaller. Try not to be disappointed. Because every year before that, the presents had overflowed the tree and they, had, they were just spoiled with it all. She said that their family practice was that on Christmas day, their dad would go into the room and close all the doors. He'd get everything ready. And then he would say, okay, we're ready, come on, come on in. And they opened the doors and they would try to be civilized and open them where they could still see what everybody's having. But it was close to a free for all as all the wrapping paper flew. And she said on this particular day, they were doing that and it came down, there was one present left under the tree. And her mom said, oh, I think you've got one more. And she grabbed that present and handed it to her. And she said she was very confused because she knew every present under that tree. And she knew that present had been labeled for her mom. But she looked at the present and now it was labeled to her in her mom's handwriting. And she said to her mom, I I cannot do this. And her mom said, no, no, open it, hurry. Let's see what it is. And she said she was overcome by her mom's joy. And she opened it up and it it was a blow dryer. It was a small gift and it was great. But I wanna read what she said about it. She said, this is Jennifer Barney, she said, Though this may seem but a simple gift, to me, it was so much more. Being an 11-year-old girl, I was stunned. In my world, where receiving outweighed giving by light years, my mom's act of selflessness was incomprehensible. It was a huge act. Tears filled my eyes, and I thought in disbelief about how much my mom must love me to give up her Christmas so I could have a few more presents. It's the kind of love that flows out at Christmas time. And I think if we're going to start holding up the dimensions of Christmas and talking about celebrating them, the first one we're going to mention is holding up the love that's at Christmas that flows out in so many different ways, but certainly that flows out as God comes amongst us. We celebrate that love. This is the kind of love that Christians are meant to try to embody, grow into, share and live year round, day by day. And that's the kind of love that we celebrate. 
That's the first thing I want to hold up, this first dimension, is just thinking about the love behind Christmas. The second of, uh, dimension I would kind of hold up if we're thinking about Christmas, we might think about is the physical. And if you started hearing the soundtrack of Santa Baby at that point, that's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about the greatest feasts of not only the Annunciation, but then Christmas as the incarnation of God taking on flesh, coming amongst us. And what a powerful and significant difference that makes. I don't want to be a buzzkill on this day, but you know, even as we gather today, there's a lot of pain and suffering. There's a lot of pain and suffering in this room, a lot of pain and suffering in the world. And I don't think Christmas is about ignoring that or denying that. Because I think when we think about this, I would say it this way. Every religion has got to have an answer for pain and suffering. And when it comes to Christianity, however you're going to answer that, one of your friends asks you, what do Christians have to say about pain and suffering? However you answer that, one of the things that I think you're going to say is that we have a God that's not far off from it. We have a God who came and took on human flesh and who has himself experienced all of the pain and suffering there is in the world. And that starts on this celebration, this feast, as we think about God taking on flesh. And he's gonna go on to be betrayed and tortured and killed and all the other things he's gonna go through. He's gonna live like one of us. And so whatever we answer, however we answer that, we're gonna say, well, look, let me just tell you this much. It may be a mystery, all this other stuff, but I can tell you this, God is not far off from our suffering because he's entered into it. He knows what it is to suffer, to have his body fail, to have different things going on. He knows all of that. And that's part of the celebration of celebrating the profound thing that God came amongst us and took on flesh. I think another dimension that I would hold up is at the level of our souls. And if we're honest enough, and if we live long enough, we'll come to a place where we'll know and recognize how broken we are at the level of our souls and what need we have for something to come and heal us at that level. I certainly know in recent times I've been in that place where I know so profoundly my brokenness and need for something deep in my soul. I know sometimes people think, oh, not clergy. Yeah, clergy. We're player coaches. We're on the same field. We encounter our own brokenness too in the same way, kinds of way everybody does. We have a deep and profound need for healing and for a balm of healing to come into our souls. And the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ comes and speaks right into that brokenness, bringing salvation. And we know that we gather to celebrate Christmas. Christmas and Easter are connected in that way. These things come together and bring this, this balm to our souls, this healing, this place that goes right in to our brokenness. And it's a gift. It's just a gift. It's a gift. It's the best gift of Christmas. But it may be the hardest gift to receive because we're like Americans that want to do it all ourselves. We want to somehow accomplish it. And part of this is coming to this brokenness and saying, we, we, we need this. 
I, this past year, one of the um, losses that, that at least I'm grieving is the, the pastor Tim Keller died back in May. And Tim Keller, um, once writing about Christmas, was talking about all the hard gifts that you can get. He said, you know, you get your really close good friend who gives you that book and you open it up and it's like, it's a diet book. He's like, oh gosh, thank you. Guess I'm overweight. Or you get the present from somebody and the title of the book is How to Overcome Extreme Selfishness. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. Or on and on from there. But he goes on to talk about how Christmas is maybe the ultimate on that. I'm gonna read just one little short paragraph from him. This is Tim Keller. He says, there has never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. Christmas means that we're so lost, we're so unable to save ourselves that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. That means you're not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a moral and good life. We accept this. It's a gift. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. But to accept it, part of that accepting it is acknowledging our brokenness and our need that's involved in that, that there's healing there. And truthfully, what we do in the church year-round is celebrate that preeminently. Well, the final sort of dimension that I want to hold up is what I'm going to say is in our headspace. And they're kind of, there are two parts of this. One is just recognizing wherever you are that we're celebrating a feast that radically changed the world in so many ways, top to bottom. I mean, you can think about the ways it changed school and medicine and art and culture and philosophy and politics and how Christian scholars for a time saved literacy. And, you know, like all these different things that profound effects that keep coming from this place. And we don't see it often, but even... I think about how it goes on today. You know, like if, if the Bible got to be counted on the bestseller list, it would always be number one, still to this day. Like it has a big impact and it keeps going. And I think this part of this celebrating on this day, intellectually just thinking about the profound influence for good that Christianity has had. And it starts with the birth of the Christ child. And the final, final part of the headspace that I want to mention is how we get hope out of what takes place, the feast we celebrate today, how we get a cosmic hope, a supernatural hope through what Jesus comes and does. Jesus comes amongst us and he is presenting and bringing and ushering in a, a vision and a work towards a place that's so much better for the world and for us as individuals. You have a God who knows you by name, who loves you, who wants you, who follows you, who'll never give up on you, who pursues you. That's hope. It's hope that we can see light even in the worst darkness. Even as we walk through whatever comes our way, there's always this hope for a better day and how things go. And as we continue to lean into this, God continues to change us more and more into his image to have the fruit of the Spirit in us of love and joy, peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness and self-control. It radically changes us. We need hope in order to live. And we've had God who's come amongst us to show us a way, even in darkness, to a better place here and to a better place ultimately in life. God loves us that way.
All right, so the final windup for celebrating Christmas. There's so many things you could think about. As you go off to celebrate with your family from here, think about the heart of Christmas being in love. Think about what it means that God took on flesh and came amongst us in the physical. Think about what it is that God comes to the very most ultimate broken place of our souls to heal us. Think about what it is that Christ's birth has changed the world and what it means that he comes and brings light and love right into the darkest places for us because he loves you and he knows you by name. Merry Christmas. Amen.